Meet Megan. Hi. A professional wedding photographer and professional wedding planner, Emily. Hey there. Together with 20 years experience in planning, designing and shooting all things wedding, they'll discuss how it's so much more than pretty pictures and a fun party. Welcome to Wedding Therapy, a podcast exploring why it is that weddings bring out the best and worst in people and how to navigate relationships and conflicts during the wedding planning process and beyond. Okay. Hello and welcome to the Wedding Therapy Podcast. That's your host, Megan. And that's your host, Emily. Hi. Hi. We are doing part two of Kristen's episode. She yes. was on two weeks ago and did an episode uh, with the topic of anxiety versus panic. If you have not listened to it, you really need to because it is kind of the precursor to this episode. And this episode will not make as much sense without listening to that one. You will get so much more out of it if you go listen to that one. So that is what I highly recommend. But it's we needed so to do so good too. Like it's it so really good. Is. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to do, and I thought it was really important to talk about um, anxiety in marriage, which actually was a topic that Kristen suggested. She was like, if you ever want to talk about anxiety and it's, uh, or panic within marriage, um, I would be a hundred percent up for that. And I was like, this is so necessary because yeah. it is anxiety and panic is so stressful to begin with, but when you are experiencing it with somebody that doesn't understand it and has never like this makes zero sense to them how you don't understand your own feelings and can't control them mm-hmm. that pr- provides an entirely new level of stress like to the to the already stressful situation and so um i think your spouse has to be you know one of the people that understands it the most or at least like attempts to understand it or know what to do for somebody who deals with anxiety um and so this is a really um, important topic. And thank you, Kristen, for bringing it up. Yeah. Yeah. And we talk so much about this in the wedding planning process Mm -hmm. that I feel like it's super important to talk about like, Hey, it does, the work doesn't stop there. Like once the vows are said, the reception, the party's over, it's not like all of this stops. Like it's only going to get exponentially (laughs) harder not to be Debbie Downer, but so Kristen, I'd love to, for you to kind of share your story um, in terms of how it affected your relationship and um, yeah. Yeah. So like I said, I had dealt with anxiety for a long time, really since childhood, um, different ups and downs through high school and college. Um, when my husband Patrick and I started dating, um, I was so happy. It was probably the best mentally I had been in a long time. Um, and we dated for four months. He proposed and we got married four months later. Whoa! Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Guys, I shot their wedding, but for some reason, I don't think I knew that it was that quick. Yeah. We had known each other for... Honestly, we don't really remember when we first met. We were attending the same church, um, you know, in the same social circle. We're friends for at least two years. Oh, Um, okay. Yeah. And then um, we can tell you when that changed. (laughs) We can't tell you when we first met. Um, Wow. But yeah, it was kind of a whirlwind. Um, And 
looking back still, I wouldn't have changed it. It was perfect. Um, and um, Patrick um, is a really good listener. He, um, he's really compassionate and um, he feels things really deeply the same way that I do. And um, so that is helpful, but what he is not is a mind reader. Shocker. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he doesn't know um, what I'm feeling unless I tell him. And so um, it took a long time for me to be able to put to words what I was feeling. Um, like I mentioned in our last episode, we decided to start a family about six months after we got married um, and had a really hard time doing so. And that puts a lot of stress on a marriage in the first place. Um, I started feeling pretty depressed and had you know um, instances of anxiety as well, especially after my son was born. We ended up having a traumatic birth. He was fine, he was completely safe, but it was very traumatic for me. Um, and then we had some complications when he was a newborn. Again, more anxiety, and, and I wasn't recognizing it because for me, the anxiety was manifesting as irritability, um, not necessarily a lot of worry. And so again, even as a licensed MFT and somebody who had been practicing for 15 years, I still didn't recognize it. Um, and so uh, once, you know, I was, once I was experiencing panic attacks, I remember calling my husband the day that I had a panic attack in a meeting at work. Um, my colleagues were amazing. They didn't know what had happened. I didn't know what had happened. I just... I wanted to leave. They made me leave. Um, and I remember calling him, you know, as I was pulling out of the parking lot, sobbing, just so embarrassed because literally mid sentence, I had to stop and say, I'm not feeling well. I need to step out. And, you know, he said, I'm, I'm sorry, babe. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Um, but could not say much more than that. He didn't know what to say. Um, and I think it was extra hard because I didn't know how to label what had just happened other than I was really scared and I thought I was going to pass out and I left the meeting. Um, and so it was hard for him to really reflect back to me because he didn't know what I was even experiencing. And so once I started understanding that it was panic attacks, then I was able to label it more for him. Um, but I remember being frustrated because I still didn't feel like he really understood how painful this was for me. Um, being a mom of two little ones who, you know, really need a lot of my energy right now, I felt like I was failing them. And so then there was this additional layer of guilt and depression because I felt like I was a terrible mom and letting them down. And Last summer, we didn't go to the beach one time because I could not handle going to the beach. Um, and so I felt like I was robbed and I was robbing them of these experiences that they should be having as little kids in the summertime. And so there was a lot of sadness around that. And I remember it got to a point where I just felt like I was starting to get mad because I wasn't feeling like he was supporting me well. And I knew that it wasn't for a lack of trying, it was that he didn't know how. And so um, 
I had talked to my therapist about it and she suggested that he join us for a session and he was very open to that, which I'm so thankful for because again, with this mental health stigma, I think husbands in particular can have a really hard time with it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so it was really nice that he was so willing. And so um, we both talked about, you know, what our experiences were um, going through all of this. Um, and I think the most beneficial thing that my therapist did was she brought to light the fact that we were trying to handle things reactively, meaning we were waiting until I was feeling panicked to try and figure out what to do. And my husband would say to me, you know, what do you need me to do? How can I help you? And I would snap back at him. I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, just make it stop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I think that's one of the important things to realize with panic in general is that there's so much more value when you can stop it from either starting or from getting really heavy. Mm. Um, slow the progress down. It's going to be much less intense. And so one of the things that we learned to do was to have a plan ahead of time. Um, because one of the things he would say to me, like I said, is what do you want me to do? And in that panic yeah. state, I couldn't think. I, I couldn't think of what would help me. Um, and so we ended up coming up with a list of three or four things that I thought might be helpful. And when I would tell him, I'm not feeling well, I feel panicked, he would give me a choice. <laughs> and I laugh because this is a strategy that I use with my kids when I'm trying to support them and they're challenging behaviors. I give them a forced choice of, do you want to do this or do you want to do that? <laughs> um, and he would literally say the same thing to me. Do you want me to take the kids on a walk or do you want to go to Target by yourself? Um, and that was the most helpful thing. Um, and so I think um, just having that experience with him and learning to be really open um, and also getting support was really, really valuable. That's I so think good. I covered too much in that. <laughs> Let's break that apart a little bit more. <laughs> no, that's really good. I think that there are a few things in there that sound really ideal. And I'm curious, like for a listener who isn't feeling like they have a partner who wants to jump in and help, like they're, they're frozen because they just don't know what to do. I think I don't know, listening to you talk, I'm like, wow, that sounds incredible. I, but I could see like someone, like a woman being like, well, my husband isn't even offering to yeah. do anything or, or they freeze and they just leave me be, which I'm sure for some people is nice to an extent, but then at a certain point you're like, no, I need my partner with yeah. me in this. Um, I don't know. I don't really know what the answer is, but I don't know what like an MFT would say if they, if like, if you walked in and were like, I'm experiencing these panic attacks and my partner so doesn't know what to do. They just freeze. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that was helpful was being able to relate a panic attack to something that my husband could relate to. Um, so for example, he at the time was participating in weekly, um, they were called manager meetings at his job. And he would talk about how beforehand he would get really nervous 
um, and like kind of want to shut down and things like that. And so I would tell him it's, it feels kind of like how you're feeling when you have a manager meeting, except that that fear doesn't go away. It just intensifies. Um, and so that was helpful for him. I think, um, I can't remember there's an, there's a therapist, Gary, I want to say Gary Smalley. Don't quote me on that. He has, he has the seven keys to marital something, relationship something. Um, and one of the things that he talks about is painting an emotional word picture. And I have found that technique so valuable so many times where essentially you are taking something that's really valuable to the person that you're trying to explain this to and relating it to that. So um, my husband is a bike rider. He is an avid road cyclist. And so there was something recently um, that we were talking about. I can't remember what it was, but I said to him, okay, imagine that your bike gets stolen. And then I kind of um, told the story of, you know, how what I was describing could relate to that. And he had a much easier time of understanding it because that matters to him. Um, okay. He's invested in that. I feel and like that is so valuable on so many levels. Yeah, really, <laughs> really. Um, and so I think whenever um, we've both used this strategy in our marriage, whenever we've um, wanted to talk about something that the other person is having a really hard time understanding, when you can relate it to something that's valuable to them, that makes a difference. Now, I would imagine being able to adequately convey that word picture, or what did you call it? Uh, word picture. Yeah. Um, that has to happen before panic. Yes, absolutely. Like, that has, has to be in a non-panic. Yep. Exactly. Definitely a calm conversation. Um, you know, if the person is willing to to do a therapy session with you, that's a great setting for it. Sometimes it also really helps just to have that neutral person walk you through those conversations. Mm -hmm. But we've had the conversation many times outside of therapy where we just kind of use that technique to describe what we're feeling. Um, and it's helpful. And if even if they don't understand the full extent of it, I do think that relating it to something that's meaningful to them at least gives them a little bit of insight, if that makes sense. Oh, totally. That's super valuable. Um, I don't think it's, anyone's ever said that. I've never heard that before. Yeah, me neither. Um, this is slightly off topic, but it made me think of it when you said um, that your anxiety originally was manifesting as irritability. Uh -huh. um, it made me wonder if, well, it reminded me of an article I read, which I'm going to read a snippet from it in a second, but it made me wonder if men actually do struggle with anxiety and it's just like masked because I got this article in my email a couple days ago where they were talking about men's health and it was saying the the header is depression and mental health and one of the sentences it says is depression in men does not present solely as extreme sadness depression in men may present as anger aggression burnout risk-taking behavior midlife crisis or substance abuse Yep. Um, it, is now, it is now believed that ma the male tendency to hide feelings of depression to not seek professional help has skewed previously reported numbers. Yep. And so it just made me, I don't know, I just was thinking, you know, we're sitting here and, and although Kristen happens to be a woman and she's married to somebody who's a guy who, you know, as far as we know, does not deal with anxiety, 
it doesn't, I, I think that is probably the way we think it is generally. Like I would say in a general sense, we're probably on this podcast and most people are probably thinking that the woman is the one and the men is going to have to try to figure it out and learn and understand. But also how much of that is just that their anxiety isn't presenting the same way that ours does. Absolutely. I would also take that one step further. And as a woman who maybe doesn't present like traditional depression or anxiety attacks and you know, there's a, I, there's a lot of memes right now or gifts or I can never keep track what they're called. But, um, I think we even posted when I was like, this is the time to check in on your strong friends. Like just because you carry things well, doesn't mean you're okay. And I think there's a, there's like that type a boss woman who has it all together and they may present anxiety or panic as irritability. Right. But because they're a woman, it's like, well, she's not crying. She's not having trouble breathing or what was something you just like uh, her heart rate isn't getting up, but she might be really snappy, really aggressive. I think it could also go the opposite way where there's a lot of women who are probably dealing with panic, but it's just showing differently. And so then their partner or their friends or people in their life are just like, Oh, she's just yeah. And lady. <laughs> the hardest part when women deal with it that way, because instead of seeing the, Oh, she's struggling. It's the other, you know, common words that we refer to as women who are over emotional yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, that doesn't help either. So no, not at all. And I mean, oh, go ahead. Oh no. I was just going to like the older I get, the more I'm like, men are so emotional. Why would I <laughs> hold this story? And like, who told it to me? Where did I hear it? But I definitely went into adulthood thinking women are emotional and cry all the time and men are not. And let me tell you, that's not true at all. Nine years married, men are very emotional. Yep. It's just different. It, it, it presents differently. It's yep. so interesting. I'm, I was laughing over here because, um, when I had my panic attack that sent me into the ER, Kristen, that we kind of referenced last, um, episode, I was with Lynn, who's, this is somebody that we both know from our church, kind of like a mom to both of us. And, um, I was, I was so stressed out and scared and I could not get my heart rate down. And I was (laughs) literally said to Lynn, like, Lynn, I need you to take me to the ER right now or I'm going to call 911. <laughs> like, I literally, I was so panicked and I got so like B word uh-huh. about this situation. And I just remember, like, I didn't even realize how much I was that way until Lynn turned to me, who by the way, is the nicest person in the entire world, the most calm person in the entire world. Like she's like, human resources, keep everyone at peace, like type person. Yeah. And she turns to me and she goes, Megan, I need to go inside and tell Neil and then I need to get some of my stuff together and then we will get in the car and drive to the hospital. And then I thought to myself, oh, I was like, I just made her upset by the way I talked to her. But it's like in that state, you're like, I don't care. Like, this is what I need. And like, and it's so insane because obviously, clearly I was panicked and anxiety, but it was coming out as like super firm and angry. Mm. And and I don't think I ever recognize that that is kind of also a form of anxiety. Yep. 
I also think there's like this stigma of the nagging wife. Yes, absolutely. And I feel like it sets men up to fail because if they're seeing nagging or like what you said, irritability, it's so easy for a husband to brush it off and just be like, well, that's my nagging wife again. Like I don't have to deal with it, but it's like, no, she could be seriously struggling with anxiety and depression but we've sold this story that this is just the shoes women fill when they're a mom and a wife. And and this is just the dynamic of marriage, which is yeah. also a horrific label to put on it because that's hopeless. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. How is anyone supposed to thrive or succeed with that like mentality? Yeah. Well, and I'm like, I don't want to be like, I'm not okay with just being the nagging wife. Like, right. I, I'm like, no, 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 that's, it's not just like a role I all of a sudden am now that I'm married. And I, I kind of feel like it, that's very unfair box to put a husband or a wife in. Um, but anyways, I digress. We were talking about dialogue. <laughs> um, I think it's so important what you were saying, uh, Kristen, about having these conversations under calm situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder for like couples, if they're, I don't know, this might be super just elementary, but like, how, how does that conversation initiate or like what, you know, like what's the first thing to lay the groundwork for that? I think one of the really important things is to, Make sure that when you're having the conversation that you're focusing on your own feelings. Um, Because I think when we're wanting someone to support us differently, we don't want them to feel defensive. So we don't want to talk in a way that, you know, gives a message of you're not doing a good job supporting me. Um, We want to make sure that we focus on what our feelings are, what we're experiencing. Um, Again, if you can relate it to something that might... um, that might strike a chord with them. I think it's really helpful. Um, And then I think transitioning into, you know, I've been thinking about how hard it might be for you to support me when I'm feeling this way. And here are a couple of strategies that I think might help me. How do these sound? Um, And really just having that open dialogue about what that might look like. Um, I think being very, especially if it's, a wife and a husband and the wife is the one experiencing the anxiety. I think being as specific as possible is really important. Um, mm. You know, for me, and I think a lot of women struggle with, with the whole mind reader aspect that I referenced earlier, we expect that our husbands can just tell or they, they should know what we're feeling or they should know what to do. And really um, most of the time they have really good intentions. They just don't know. And so I think if we can give them really tangible things, that's really helpful. And that was why when my therapist made that suggestion, we literally wrote out on a post-it note, here are a few things to offer me as choices for when I'm feeling this way. Um, Mm -hmm. So that he would remember and didn't have to think in the moment because again, when you're feeling panicked, you're not thinking clearly. Um, And so I didn't want him to have to ask me, you know, all these wordy questions and me to have to process it. I didn't want him to have to try and be processing a lot in the, in the moment when I was so upset. Um, So yeah, really tangible ideas I think are really helpful. That's really helpful. That's really good. 
what would you um what would you tell someone whose marriage is Megan use the word like plagued with anxiety? Um maybe some advice from the perspective of the anxious person to the other party. Um I know you touched on this. I I think maybe some long-term things too, and maybe from the perspective of the other party who isn't anxious as well. Like, I don't know if you could speak for Patrick, but if, if you think you could, Mm -hmm. as far as like something he's learned or what he might say about the scenario, or if you've ever heard him talk to someone else about your situation, Mm -hmm. you might know like what he would have said if somebody was standing there, you know, like, I'd love to hear what you think he might think about it too. I think, I think he would probably say how important it is to work on understanding what the person is experiencing. Um, I think he would say that it's not easy and it requires a lot of effort. Um, and you have to be willing to put in that effort and a lot of patience, a lot of patience. Yeah. A lot of, um, not taking things personally. Um, that's a good one. A lot of, um, learning to go back after the fact. Um, I think it's really important for him to be able to come back to me after, something has happened where I maybe hurt his feelings because I was snappy or short with him. Yes. That is such a good thing to know because just because we're going through something doesn't excuse like our behavior in the middle of it. Right. Um, Or even if it excuses it, still being able to say, I'm sorry that I hurt you. That was not nice. That wasn't okay. I didn't mean to, but I did. And I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's really important um, for them to feel validated that it's hard. It's really hard work when you're dealing with a spouse that has mental health struggles. And so many of us do, whether it's anxiety or panic or depression, um, especially right now with everything going on in the world, I think we're probably seeing more um, mental health struggles and it's draining um, our camp. And so. Oh. I, I think um, there needs okay. to be that opportunity for relationship. Can you repeat that? The It got a little glitchy there for a second. Okay. Yeah. Oh. So I think that with everything going on. No? I, I think we're good now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It's okay. Um, I think that with everything going on in the world, especially right now, we're seeing, you know, increases in mental health issues, whether it be anxiety or panic or depression. Um, and that relationship repair is just so important because there is that aspect where it can be really draining to be married to somebody who's having mental health issues. Um, and you know, when we get married, we vow for better or for worse in sickness and in health. And we mean that but that doesn't mean that it's easy. Um, And so I think part of having a successful marriage and being able to get through those difficult times is 
for somebody who, even though they're struggling to still acknowledge, I'm sorry that I hurt you. Um, I'm sorry that, you know, I was snappy or whatever it might be. That relationship repair is just really important. And that's even supported by somebody like John Gottman, who will talk about how it's okay to have fights and disagreements and all of that. There's actually research on the ratio of positive interactions to negative interactions. And it's very encouraging. You don't have to have a super high rate of positive interactions. That relationship repair makes such a difference. Mm. Um, so I think my advice to the person going through the anxiety would be to really work on that relationship repair. Um, and I think my advice to the person who's dealing with it is have those conversations when things are calm, you know, be okay with saying that hurt me. Um, I didn't like that. It made me feel X, Y, or Z um, because their feelings are just as valid as the feelings of the person who's struggling. And I think oh. it's really easy as the person who goes through the anxiety to feel justified in our reaction in the moment. And so it takes, I think, an incredible amount of humility um, recognize that the other person still matters, even if our feelings feel justified and even if our feelings feel out of control. And even if we feel like that was the only way we could respond, mm -hmm. um, staying humble kind of, even in the midst of that is like super important. Yeah. I, we talked a little bit about, um, Kristen, like where, a lot of your panic came from um, early on. And then I shared a story about where I had some panic attacks um, and anxiety related to a completely different situation. Do you have any advice for couples who, like for example, let's say the wife, her panic is induced by something the husband did. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Mm -hmm. Or that trigger, like something happened where there was something in the relationship and they're working through it, but it's actually the husband who, I don't know if my verbiage is right. When I'm yeah, talking. I mean, I think a good example of that would be like either something that traumatic that happened in a prior relationship, whether that's like a parental unit or a previous significant other. And then now that person is like yeah. triggering that, whether or not they intend to doesn't really matter. Um, well, actually, I guess it does matter if they intend to, but well, that's <laughs> but a whole what I'm saying. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. But like, <laughs> you know, obviously it's not something they're doing on purpose. And so that's kind of what I'm imagining you. Yeah, exactly. About. Cause like your thing, Kristen was like your, the infertility, like that obviously wasn't your husband. Like you guys were both working towards a goal together and then the health things started to happen. And for me, my thing had nothing. I mean, it, it was completely an outside experience, but I wonder, and, and your response might be totally the same, like the same steps, the same things. But I'm curious if the panic and anxiety is to like what Megan was saying more yeah. towards Which granted, we didn't give her this question. I know, yet, sorry. So don't feel stressed out. <laughs> I do this all the time. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, I think in that scenario, it would be even more important for there to really be a team effort and working through it. Um, making sure that you're both on the same page, that there's a really good communication. I would imagine in that scenario, it would be especially important to have a therapist facilitating the conversation 
because especially if it's something that the other person is maybe still doing, like, let's say for example, they're a police officer or, and they were previously injured. And so now the wife is having panic every time her husband goes to work because she's worried about him getting hurt again or something along those lines. Um, I think that would be a situation that um, defensiveness would be even more um, likely to occur. And so I think just having that neutral party being able to walk you through those conversations would be especially important. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. For me, I don't know if you've ever heard of this technique, Kristen, but I've heard of the, or I've used and heard of in relationships, like I feel I need, I want. Mm -hmm. Um, And that keeps the focus on you. You're communicating like what you feel, what you need and what you want. in such a way that I feel like it allows them the opportunity to provide that because especially if you can differentiate between your needs and your wants, like obviously she knows that he has to go to work. So she's not going to say, I want you to not go to work, (laughs) but you could say like, I need uh, security or reassurance. And then like, I want that by you calling me every whatever and obviously he may or may not be able to do that but at least he has the opportunity to know what she wants and so then she he can like try to do that for her yes exactly i love that is that is there a name for that megan like a i I, i've only heard it as like a tool in like that phrasing i don't know if there's a name okay but it's been really really helpful for me because identifying your own feelings and needs and wants are really important to begin with for you to understand yourself and then to be able to communicate it to someone else, like obviously helps your relationships. Yeah. Yeah. That's really helpful. I love that. Is there anything else you had? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I guess I would just want to maybe end on the same last question we asked you before, which is like, if there, is there anything that you would say to kind of like wrap up, as like a, if somebody's dealing with this, like what is like, I don't know, a little hope you could leave with them like before, cause you were so good at that. <laughs> I think, um, I think the biggest thing that I would say is generally speaking, I think our spouse wants the best for us. I think they want us to feel safe and happy and secure in our marriage and having open conversations about what you're experiencing um, is really important and it requires a lot of vulnerability especially if it's not something that they've ever experienced before Um, and it might be frustrating at the beginning because they're having a hard time understanding but I think really pursuing those tools um, it, it does help I've seen it in my own marriage Um, where, you know, at the beginning, my husband was having a really hard time supporting me. And again, it wasn't because he didn't want to, he just didn't know how. Um, And I think that that's the case with most, especially husbands. Um, So don't be afraid to put yourself out there to be open with the person who hopefully you trust most in the world, um, because it really can make a big difference. I love that. And I feel like for me, I'd be like, well, I have no idea if in five years down the road, I might be struggling with something. And I would hope that 
it's like might be uncomfortable for me now to learn how to support my partner in this. But if I do the work now, we're only that much stronger for when, you know, inevitably the tables are turned. Right. And I, I mean, there's no prejudice in mental illness. Like you, anyone, men too, like anyone could have something. And I don't know, that's how I would feel if I was a husband or that's how I feel now. Like, all right, I'm going through this now, but it could be flip-flopped in five years. And I would hope that I learn something now so that we could just be that much better down the exactly. line. Exactly. And that's one thing that I talk about on the account every so often is anxiety doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care mm-hmm. about your education. It doesn't care about how many letters you have after your name. It doesn't care about your experience. How much Look money you have. What's or, that? I said how much money you have. Yeah. Or, money you know, have. What, what life stage you're in. Yep. Yep. I literally sat in an office treating someone for panic disorder when I was doing my intern hours. I will never forget it. Um, And looking back, I'm so thankful um, because it gave me so many tools that I've used now for myself. Um, But it can happen to any of us at any time. Um, And so, yeah, being able, being humble enough to recognize that and knowing that, you know, you want to support the people you love the most well is really important. Yeah. I love that. I feel like it gives me so much hope to hear that like a therapist had panic attacks because <laughs> I'm like, Oh, great. We're all the same. <laughs> you know, like I didn't go through school to become a psychologist, but I still have panic attacks. Just like someone who like you would be the person someone would call. It just, it just makes it feel like we're all human. Yep all have the same struggles yep. and at least there's that, that we can all relate to one another. So, yeah. and what I love about what Kristen was saying too, is that desiring to do this for your spouse is great, but even learning this period, most likely someone in your life is going to deal with panic or anxiety, whether you know it or not. Yeah, absolutely. So learning this is going to be loving like anyone in your life yep. so at, true. At some point in the future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Or maybe even help you reconcile with someone who you had a broken relationship with from the past and it was because of this, but we just didn't have a name for it or we never identified it. Absolutely. Especially for me when I was really in the thick of things because I didn't want to leave my house. I didn't want to, it was hard for me to talk to my friends. I, there was so much shame and embarrassment about what I was experiencing. And I know that it hurt my friends, not, you know, that I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't feel like I could talk about anything. I knew that was hurtful for them, but I could not do it. And so I think it's so helpful um, to really have a, a little bit of knowledge about this because like Megan's saying, there are probably people experiencing it who you have no idea. And I'm one of those people that for the most part, I'm really good at hiding it. Um, and there are a lot of people like that as well. So yeah. the more knowledge you have, the more you can really love on people who really, really need it, even when they can't express it. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think that's a perfect note to end on. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much, Kristen, for giving us so much of your time. This was so valuable. 
Um, again, if you somehow made it to the end of this and you <laughs> don't know the first episode we're referencing, go back. Um, we talk about anxiety and panic just in a more like not with through the lens of marriage. Um, it's so good. So helpful. Um, we reference a few books, we reference a few tools. So all of that can be found in the episode notes. But if you have any questions, um, you should definitely follow Kristen. Her, um, you can find her at Hello Resilience. We'll tag that. Um, and you can always ask us as well. So thanks, thanks guys. for hanging out with us. I love you. <laughs> Bye. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to the Wedding Therapy Podcast brought to you by Tasteful Tatters and Megan Christine Photography. If you like what you've heard today, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. We always appreciate hearing from you. Leave a review. It only takes a couple seconds. For more, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Wedding Therapy Podcast. And you can always email us at weddingtherapypodcast at gmail.com. Crunch, crunch, crunch. It's so loud. <laughs> no, we should have.